Good afternoon, this is Gary Kavnick here on TRSI. I'm here today with my friend and colleague Michael Dwyer. I hope you've been well since last we talked. But Michael, how are you? I'm very well, and as I was saying off off air and unrecorded, I'm not vibing on the TRSI, Gary. I'm just not vibing on it. I'm going to be, I'm, I'm liking the right side. Um, although, if, as you say, if anybody has some good TRSI out there, you know, send it on in. That would be cool. It does sound like a performance-enhancing drug. I'll give you that. Performance-enhancing or dance-enhancing? I like to think... Then again, of course, dance is a performance, isn't it? So, uh, And also a support, I suppose. I've been very well. I've been uh, trying to buy flour, because, uh, which has been harder than it should have been, Gary, because all the people out there who've never baked a fairy cake in their lives went out and bought 10 kilos of brown and white flour yesterday and left the rest the, all I could get was a tin of bacon powder the size of a god's cow so it's rather upsetting anyway kind of like the runners the people who are now running around the place and you look at them you sort of go you may have once ran for a bus but that's about the most you've ever done it's funny you should say that because actually sitting as, as I do in my sitting room when I'm trying to tap out something on my keyboard like an anorexic jackdaw pecking at an apple i see all these men going by with running and i can tell these do not look like men who have never run before these look like men who've been doing lots of running and jumping and pushing and hauling and grabbing and i think i think basic these are these are men that have been beaten out of their house by the by their various wives and partners because if they hadn't then they were just going to explode everywhere i turn there are men running I've actually, I've, I've really enjoyed the flower situation because every time I go to a shop, I'm, I'm told to buy a list of things for baking <laughs> uh, because it's, it's keeping my girlfriend sane because she can't leave the house. And uh, every time I go there, I'm like, no, they've no, they've no syrup or they've no flour. And I now appreciate a bit more about what it was like to live in the Soviet Union. Right. Just to serve, there's no flour today. No flour today. Come back tomorrow. Maybe flour, maybe flour tomorrow. Maybe next week. If this goes on for like a couple more weeks, I'm going to have to start making friends at different production facilities. Uh, I was driving around the town for around 15 minutes the other day because the car had, I hadn't moved the car in a week. So I felt just should move it in, in order to keep the battery going. And it was quite funny because um, it was, I don't know, it was the day after the the great the great uh, leader handed down the, the, the last diktat. And he, it was quite funny because in... Uh, our local super super value, which is pests, small local chain, very very nice shops. And uh, if they were interested in sponsoring, I'd like to say that more. Big queues out front back of that shop. Queues in front back of Tesco's. And it was quite interesting because I then decided I'd oh, like I'd go, I'd, I would do all the supermarkets in the town to see to see where there were. No queues in Little, and I discovered afterwards that was because Little had been emptied earliest, and the hordes had moved on. It's a bit like you, you're saying, you know, it's like being Russia. It, it also must be a little bit, if you, you work in a supermarket or a shop, it's a little bit like being somewhere in East Asia and hearing, you know, that Tourmaline or Genghis Khan is coming. You know, the great horde arrives from the East, consumes it all and then moves along. I mean, I will say that I, I think I'm using my quarantine time very wisely. I've gotten much better at cooking. Well, it's a great skill to develop, you know, the old cliches we... There are very few things we have to do in life. We have to eat, so you might as well eat well. Uh, it's become very pretentious, though. The other day, my girlfriend walked in. I was eating uh, chicken nuggets from uh, <laughs> some takeaway. Yeah. And uh, she just went, what is that? And I was just like, well, this is a crushed sea salt, which I sprinkled over them. And that's a uh, a red wine vinegar. <laughs> and I legitimately thought she was going to leave me. <laughs> I don't know. If she could leave the house. The... Uh... I, I've, I've been cooking quite a bit inevitably because, you know, meal planning and trying to do things differently and whatever, and what you can freeze and what you can't freeze. And thinking quite a bit about food. Well, as I would not be a surprise if anybody who could see me, if this was television, you'd know that I was the kind of person that thought about food. But there's a there's a new gadget out, Gary, and I just want it so badly. It is, I was a small child and wanting, so, I, I think. I think the last time I wanted something as badly as this was when they produced the new edition of the Africa Corps model soldier, and I just for Christmas. There's a thing out which makes what they call caviar. It's where basically you can get any fruit juice or syrup or whatever, and it'll turn using the magic of chemistry turns into tiny little flavor balls that explode in your mouth, and it looks like caviar, and you can get 
plum juice or mango juice. You can make bigger ravioli sized ones like pea, like pea ravioli sized things. I just, I, I've seen the, on, on Facebook, they've been sending me the advertising. I just want it so badly. I can't imagine I would ever use it or what a circumstances. It would probably go up somewhere between the pasta maker and the ice cream maker, but still, it's fantastic. No, the only the only kitchen gadget you actually need is a sous vide machine and a meat thermometer. Oh, and a shark. Oh, and a shark. Speaking, I have all, my brother recently. No, he got another one. Our friend Paddy Manny sent me a a a knife sharpener. It is the first easy to use sharpener. Sharpener. It is the best sharpener. German make, I see. Absolutely, it it is Gary unreal. These knives are so sharp, I really, I'm afraid of myself when I'm slicing onions. It's also, if the listener is looking for something you can do that is deeply contemplative, but very, very easy, uh, a really good thing to do. It's somewhat meditative. Zoom, zoom. Also, you're way less likely to cut yourself with a sharp knife. Yes. Although, if you do cut yourself... You will cut yourself. My God, you will cut yourself. It'll go all the way to the bone. I can speak from experience there. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, everyone has one of those. I think you can tell that both of us are not, uh, just not talking to a lot of people. Well, not, it's not so much that, well, also, you know, what are you going to talk about except it? And frankly, I don't want to talk about it, because if we talk about it, Gary, it wins. It wins, yes. I, I think we've, we have humanized <laughs> the virus to such an extent it must now be thought of as a person. And so a politics show becomes the wonderful background chatter of an abnormally lived life of isolation. Yes, and how to roast potatoes and chop onions. Anyway, so today we have a couple of things that we're going to go through. China has... uh, China actually, on the 2nd of March, performed the first double lung transplant in the world. And now they're doing many, many of them um, as a cure for uh, COVID-19. Although I don't know if that's really a cure no yeah it's a cure, cure sort of. it helps anyway it's cheating uh, really <laughs> does that offend your sense of fairness well you know the virus the referee is, is going to come down and be like no that's that's a foul yeah. you got the fibrosis has been settled in and then you just come along and just change long <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but because it's China something horrific is apparently happening Yes, well, thank you. Plus a change, plus yeah. LMM shows. Questions are being asked, like, so where exactly are you getting all these lungs? Yeah, that's the, well, first of all, we should establish. Now, as you said, the first of these operations was done when? The 2nd of March. And what kind of numbers, therefore, are we talking about? I have seen, although it's very difficult to get confirmation on this, but the number I have seen is a thousand. A thousand. Now, I have to say... No, no, I would, I would, no, it would be wrong to say, irrespective of the source of the pulmonary tissue. A thousand. When you start off, first of all, with an operation which is extremely difficult. I mean, single lung transplants have been, for years, the sort of the gold standard of the hard transplant, as opposed to some sort of easy stuff like kidneys, and brains. But they've gone from naught to sixty in like five point four seconds. No, no, I would, is, I would make the point that. This was the world's first double lung transplant for COVID nineteen. Yeah. It wasn't the world's first. No, no, no. Double lung transplant as a therapy for COVID nineteen. Yeah. And now in space, they've gone. But Gary does beg the question, does it not? So China, where are you getting all the lungs? I mean, because yeah, because the double lungs. So you're yeah, two thousand lungs. Two thousand lungs in a country. And China has a really high percentage of smokers. I think over fifty percent. Yeah, and um, you need to. You need to. Um, you can't just take lungs from dead people. No, this is, this no, no, they have to be fresh. Yeah. Also, no, lots of, even the people who don't smoke in China look like they smoke because of the incredibly poor air quality and the particle, particulate mm. pollution. So I know there's a lot of people in China, a lot of them are dying of non-COVID related. It's very unfashionable to die of non-COVID. There it you is. Go. People are still doing it. So There should be a tax. <laughs> probably is. In China. It might be your lungs. Yeah. So how but fresh do luckily, they have to be, Gar? I think you... Now, I'm not a medical expert, but I think you pretty much have to have the ice packing there as they die. It's kind of like somebody's in the ICU, they're on the machines, you get the notification, and so you're ready to go. Yeah. So you'd, you'd need like a large population um, where you could, with some certainty, say when they're going to die. No. Um. 
And the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, Michael, yes. has come forward with a suggestion of exactly how China has found that population. And how's that? Well, they think the Chinese are um, organ harvesting political prisoners, particularly religious prisoners, because China, which you may not know, is now in the middle of a crackdown on any and all religious activity because <coughs> it's dissent. Yep. They're going around, you know, it's kind of petty, but it's a, you know, and, 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 and that sounds just, like a... They've taken, uh, they've killed a thousand people for their lungs. That's petty. No, I, 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 I genuinely don't want this to sound like a Gabriel, but in the middle of what's happening, they're going around knocking down crosses. I mean, it very often, it's not in the the explicitly, obviously monstrous acts of us that we could, because they're difficult to comprehend. It's there. It's in the small shit that sometimes we get it. We we can start to understand the psychopathology. They're there. They're getting these lungs from somewhere. It may be Falun Gong. I mean, they do like to. I mean, they really do like to take it out in the old Falun Gong dudes. And it is for for those who go. That's a bit of a far fetched story. China and organ harvesting, particularly of um, prisoners, have a very long history. Didn't Cuba get involved in this as well? Uh, Cuba also did, but with China, China did it. So they've been accused of organ harvesting from political prisoners for years, including in front of several UN committees, and there have been several reports into it that say it's almost certainly happening. The question has always been how systematic it is, and is this um, coming from central government? Well, the Chinese response, unofficially, I'm sure, was, I mean, at different times. Of- these people are being executed. They are being executed in a manner like, say, firing squad. Well, no. I mean, Michael, I, we, do, we do need to make this point. Being executed is probably the best option on that list. But a lot of these are not people signed up for execution. They'll just take your organ if it's not something you technically need to live. Well, or even sometimes the thing was, even if it was kind of technically something you'd... Rather more than technically, I mean, very often... A heart is a required. I but they were. There is a Chinese term for it, but I can't. I can't remember what it is in in Mandarin. But it just translates as the living dead. They uh, they were they were arguing that you know these people were going to, were dying anyway, and they have been taken by the state, and they, they you know, the state owns them, and mm. they might as well do some decent some some good with their bodies. Now the problem. Well, there are many problems with this. I mean, whether or not in fact any of them were. But the, what was being done in the manner whether or not they were actually dead when it was being done? Or... Well, in 2005, the, the Chinese state did admit that they had done it. But they, <laughs> they said they'd stop. They admitted that they'd used executed prisoners, but they didn't. Yes, what they didn't yeah. admit was that sometimes they weren't. They were kind of. They were pre-executed. Hmm. I I did also see it was. I'd say it was about five or six years ago, but it was a study in the Lancet. And they said that more than 90% of transplant organs in China were sourced from executed prisoners. Right. China the next year said they would move to a voluntary donation-based system for prisoners. For prisoners? <laughs> Do you think that would, is there, would there be a pattern here? Could we speculate on that? Is there a pattern on the kind of people who are getting the lungs? Are they... But the thing is, if you are a foreigner... Oh, sorry, the lungs. But in general, if you're a foreigner, you can just... You, know, you can throw, like... Whatever. I do actually have a price list we can go through, if you'd like, um, to Chinese businesses, and they'll set you up. And apparently the turnaround is super quick. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I read a story on um, PBS about a guy. He paid the Chinese $10,000. Sorry, he paid the Chinese. He paid a Chinese business $10,000. Mm-hmm. And I got a kidney within a week. Kidney, yeah, well... It's great when you get an organ to order. Yeah, you get kidney. But he also made the point that he would have died. You get kidney for free. He would have died. Joe Brody would give you a kidney. Uh, he would have died because of the length of the waiting list where he lived. Ah, so, okay, yeah. And he was like, well, and the way I suppose you can go, well, everything balances out. I was dead and now I'm alive. It's all yin and yang. Mm. It's the Tao, um, Gary. It's the Tao. I did. I did read a very good report, and it was. Um, it was look. It was the way the Chinese responded to, because the report was talking about tests that different prisoners had been given, and these were not prisoners scheduled for execution. And uh, they were told these were general health pickups, but when when they were running through the tests, it was very clear that these were just to study all of their organs. 
and how well. Oh, God. <laughs> it was just the chosen. They were general medical tests. I'm like, why would you need to? Why would you need to know these things? And they're just general medical tests. We, we just need to know everything. Yeah, just because like, it kind of looks like you wanted this man's liver. No, 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 no. Oh, God, you're weird saying that. God Almighty! Yeah. Also, you're not, you get it you're done in. I, I, yeah, the, the Chinese are amongst amongst all this, and there is a suspicion, by the way, and it's a bad-minded suspicion, I, I imagine, that uh, these lungs are principally going to party members and persons of repute and our persons shove up the shekels uh, rather than being awarded on a lottery or need basis. I mean, you do have to admire their their capitalistic impulses. Yeah. A kidney transplant in America cost one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You see, that's yeah. In China, fifteen thousand. Damn it! Carry him. I'm almost tempted to have one at that kind. At that, I mean, price, that kind of price, can you afford not? not to have one? And I mean, some of the organs come from uh, Christians, so you'd be helping part of them get out of China. Are they alive? Or, but are are they organic? Uh, I'd say. Well, I was going to say free range, but no, they're not. Yeah. yeah. Definitely not free range. <laughs> no, no. I, it, and this is this is a this is it, a topic we have. You should learn to joke about the, because the world has decided that this doesn't matter because China makes us slightly cheaper TVs, so nothing's. Gonna and now, Gary, that's not it. true. You're right. They are much makes, cheaper TVs. They are much cheaper TVs. Um, you, Michael, do you remember that time when the Soviet Union fell because it ran out of money? Yeah. And uh, the smartest people in the world looked around and looked at China and went, "Okay, well, what if?" We saw the other one collapse, the communist system, because it just couldn't keep up with a capitalist system. But what if instead of doing that again, we pumped that one full of money? And listen to me here. We just kept throwing money at it so it could never collapse due to running out of its own efficiencies, inefficiencies. And uh, we hope that by doing so, they'll realize they were wrong all along. That was a brilliant... And and the smartest people in the world convinced themselves... Yeah. That not only was that correct, but that that outcome was inevitable. It was a great plan. It was. It was. A, it was a great time. It was a great plan. I can't even. And, and, I mean, and, living in this cynical time now, I can't even summon that amount of belief in people. And I think the great thing was the way they made it conditional on China democratizing and the the dismantling of the power structures of the party. Oh, absolutely! Oh, that was the best part. Yeah. Uh, because of course, you see, the thing is. When people become uh, economically successful in, and you start to introduce things like property, then inevitably, and I, 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 that's the word, inevitably, inevitably, political liberalization will follow. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no evidence of that ever happening, Well, but there was a very strong belief it would. Pinochet retired in Chile. Mm. I think that was the basis of the belief. Pinochet retired and then got... I, did he get elected after retired? But that was basic. The whole of this was based on the premise that, well, look, Pinochet, after getting the economy going, Pinochet retired. So that's what that's what will happen in China. The Chinese Communist Party will give up its power, and there will be a flowering, as Mao said, a thousand different schools of philosophy will 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 bloom. Uh, still, you know, at least you know, in I want I just wanted you. I mentioned. Cuba earlier about the the, the transplants. No, there is actually a good news story out of Cuba at the moment, which is in the context of the repression of religious belief in China. The that's not happening in Cuba. We have uh, good. There is a widespread sacrificing of doves, roosters, crows uh, happening in Cuba to mitigate against the effects of uh, the coronavirus. And I think, you know, the fact is, Gary, they only have, what, 170-odd cases in Cuba? Uh, how many do we have here? Thousands. How many bird sacrifices did we carry out, Gary? Um, are we counting those eagles that we kept trying to reintroduce and farmers kept shooting? No, no, that, that wasn't a uh, Probably none, then. None. I mean, it was a sacrifice to the cows. You know... All I know is, and yet the strange thing is, neither the WHO or the HSC has come out with a statement saying that there is no evidence to support the sacrificing of doves and chickens. So I'm assuming that uh, we're all agreed that sacrificing doves and chickens can be effective 
against to the be, spread of the COVID virus. To be fair, if the WHO at this time, point came out and said that there was no evidence that sacrificing chickens would stop COVID-19, I would already be on the internet looking up live transport of chickens. Yeah. They have, um, they've kind of bollocks to their own reputation to a degree which is frankly impressive. But, you know, you someone gives you advice, Gary, you don't have to take it. So the UH, the WHO gives advice. The, the HIC does not have to, as a matter of automatic response, say, take it. So at the beginning of all of this, do you remember one of the very first things? For some reason, we had an incredible amount of chat for a number of days back in whenever. I remember listening to it on the radio coming up, coming out of Dublin and having a, not a debate, but a discussion about it. It was the masks and how effective masks were. And masks weren't effective. The basic reason, which was given at the beginning and has never been given since, they just give this blanket thing, masks are ineffective, is because that unless you're talking about super duper masks, the, the masks are not sufficiently woven to prevent the, the, the passage of the virus. And the virus is, is, is small. But that's kind of not the point, is it? The way this particular no. virus works and the way it's transmitted. But we have the HSC again. Here's the thing. It, do you not find it's an odd way of putting it? The evidence does not, which is the last time I saw the HSC report of this, the evidence does not support the wearing of masks. Yeah, I don't even I know s- what that means, really. I assume you're talking about the uh, the HSC gave out new mask guidelines on Monday. Yeah. And they said there was no evidence to support the wearing of surgical masks by healthcare workers. Now, I, I don't think they're talking about um, against people you know have COVID-19. But they're saying there's no point to use it for um, for staff meetings or just general usage. But I, I really liked what the um, uh, Martin Cormican, Professor Martin Cormican, is the HSE's clinical lead in infection control. Yeah. And he basically said um, healthcare workers will fuck it up. And it won't protect them because they don't know what they're doing. Would be the undiplomatic <laughs> way of saying what he said. So I'll give you what he actually said. Well, yeah. The recommendation now. This is certain hospitals have been saying that uh, workers should just wear staff uh, masks through their general practice mm-hmm. and go through two or three of them a day and um, basically just wear them for everything. And he said that. Uh, the recommendation is problematic because it can be expected to promote per practice in relation to use of masks and thereby increase risk for patients and colleagues. So, is he saying... Actually, I know what he's saying. You know when you go to a, a concert or to a race meeting or to an event and there's a guy there with a, with a van selling beef rolls or hamburgers, mm. right? And you notice they all wear gloves, right? Yeah. They're all wearing these plastic... Which are completely useless because all they ever do is just put on a pair of gloves in the morning, and after that they go. It's actually much worse because what they're actually doing is protecting their hands. They're not protecting your health. They're just doing because otherwise they'd have to keep washing their hands because their hands would get covered in food and grease and muck and whatever. And that would actually be good news for you because you're much better dealing with clean hands. The gloves give this this fake sense of security, the sense so that people actually end up behaving in a riskier fashion because they have a notion that they are protected by the magic of simply just wearing gloves or wearing. And I think that's, wasn't this the notion behind some studies that people were who wore, wore seatbelts drove uh, their cars in a, fa- in, in a riskier fashion? He, um, yeah, this, this, there's, um, I can't remember what the behavior is called. It's risk something or other. Basically, you think you're safer. So you behave, uh, you behave more erratically. Or you, you don't take into account other risks because you don't think they matter. Yeah. Which is a point. However, it is basically saying that um, you won't do this correctly, so it's no use. Rather than won't work. But there was one point he made. He uh, The HSE says that the World Health Organization has pointed out that uh, asymptomatic transmission of the virus is relatively rare and does not appear to be a major driver of transmission. Which I personally found quite interesting because there was a paper published in Science on the 16th of March, which said that, and I will quote, We estimate 86% of all infections were undocumented. Undocumented infections were the infection source for 79% of documented cases. These findings explain the rapid geographic spread of SARS-CoV-2 and indicate containment of this virus will be particularly challenging. Hmm. 
Yeah, hmm. so I would say, number one, even if we didn't have any kind of information like that, they would say asymptomatic, blah, blah, how can we know? How could they possibly know that well, at this the problem, point? The pushback that the WHO has received on this from various people is that they don't know. And there's there's a weird breakdown of what is an aerosol and what is a droplet. and Yeah. It seems like a... To an outsider, it just seems like a bizarre argument for, for the field to be in, but they seem happy to do it, so we leave them to it. But even if that was the case, even if you were using a mask in a way where you were not protecting yourself properly, by consistently wearing a mask, you would cut down on droplet spread from you if you have COVID-19. And, and you're asymptomatic. Yes. In which case, everyone wearing masks would still be a good thing. And there is a graph floating around of um, transmission, the number of cases over time in various countries. And you can basically draw two circles on it, with the circle, with the circle pretty much pointing nearly upward in countries that don't historically wear masks, and a much lower one in countries that do tend to wear masks. Now, those are also much more collectivist countries generally. Mm-hmm. So there may that may just be a confounding it, but I, I I suspect the problem here, and you're seeing it in America as well, because the certain people are saying not to wear masks, certain people are saying to. Personally, I think at this point the uh, governments should be reaching out to Instagram influencers and trying to make homemade masks <laughs> the uh, trend of the uh, uh, of the season. Brooks Brothers, did you that? I did not. What are Brooks Brothers? Brooks doing? Brothers, other than making the baggiest shirts known to man. Uh, myself and Gary, by the way, never seen out, out without our Brooks Brothers shoes and suits. Unless we're I wearing Louis any, I don't have any uh, suits or um, shoes. We'll, try, we'll try to get a couple of free shirts here, Gary. We just leave, leave a guy to it. I had to buy a ton of their shirts when I first went to America because my luggage didn't appear. <laughs> God bless the EBI. Here's a, 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 something. I want to give you a piece of information from the WHO. And this is the kind of key information pe- that people need to know, right? Uh, why they should be, uh, you know, they, they're, they're slow to offer. Uh, wearing a mask can provide a false sense of security, as we said, leading people to become less vigilant for more important hygiene measures, such as hand washing. In other words, people wearing masks won't wash their hands, Gary. Mm-hmm. Also, do you know what can make a wearing a mask, what can make a mask less effective? Removing it. Well, actually, that that is a that is a joke point that's actually somewhat serious. And you see the same with gloves as well. If you are wearing gloves and they become contaminated and you do not take them off properly, which is quite easy to do, you will just spread it to your hands anyway. Absolutely. But I would have thought that not wearing a mask, mm-hmm. making the mask less effective, was kind of obvious. Do you know what I, I just... I also, just... basic stuff. Yes, wash your hands all the time. You touch something, you, you take your mask off, you have to assume the mask is, you go and you wash your hands. Or, and then you get your your mask and you put it under your local, your handy uh, UV light. Because that's the, know, one of the best ways of disinfecting you know what might it. be a better thing for the, the HSE and the WHO to do mm-hmm. here? Rather than saying that even medical personnel should not wear that many masks because they'll bollocks it up. Maybe like an explainer gif. Like, here's a video of how to do it properly, as opposed to, you're literally too stupid to do this. But you know, in the midst of all of this, we are now returning to a, a theme which has been occupying us for years, many years now. That apparently, we are now living in the world, a new post-lister, and yes, strangely, doctors and nurses are not washing their hands. And, you know, you, you kind of would have hoped that they didn't need to be taught that. But this is apparently a serious problem. No, I don't think. Sorry, just on the question of the masks and health workers. Um, This is WHO again. So rather, I don't know if this this is a mixed message. But on the subject of health uh, care, Dr. Ryan, the Irish guy who were the big buds in the WHO, said, the thought of health workers not having masks is horrific. Mixed messages there from the WHO... Slash and HSE. the WHO, I believe he's the clinical lead from the yeah. WHO, isn't he? You know, we're talking about HSE advice. Now, I, I, I think that it, oh, comparing different reactions of different countries, I, you know, the fact is, I don't doubt that the vast majority of the politicians in each country in the West are people who are all terrified and overwhelmed, 
at times and are doing their best to understand the scientific information that's being given to them when they're not scientists. And, you know, Gary, one of the problems of communication is you can have two scientists and one may be better than the other. And you don't know that because you're not in a position to make a judgment because you're not an expert. But one scientist is actually linguistically, rhetorically gifted and the other scientist isn't. The guy who's better at talking is going to convince you, even if his science is not as good as the other guy's. That's just the mm-hmm. reality. And, you, and you, you can't blame people for that. But there are certain things at HSE, it seems, that you can, you, I think it's reasonable for the layman to stand back and say, you what? On the 10th of March, do you remember? And I, it, this is the context of where we are now. It was a directive from the top of the HSE that nursing homes should oh, relax this, and their yeah. restrictions on visiting. Yeah. What the wasn't, f- wasn't that about the time when we were saying that the most important thing to do is make sure that no one panics. Yeah. As opposed to the most important thing we should do is containment. And then they they loosen the restrictions on nursing homes for a disease which we now see spreads like wildfire through them and kills a great deal of the but, people involved. And I don't know. I, I'm not in a position to know. I can but talking to people, people are saying, Well, why have we gone into this extra super duper isolation that we have been asked to when you know the graphs are not exponential the thing seems to be reasonably controlled my speculation is that what they have seen is that there are now 17 clusters based around care homes and the fact is that because they've allowed it to get into the care homes in this to this degree and that they have recognized that there's going to be mass infections from these places and because of the demographics and the health situation of the people in this in these areas, the number of people requiring ICU care is going to be vastly higher than it would be if we were looking from the same number of people being affected from the general population. Yeah, I think this this is just an example of achieving the wrong strategic objective. The restrictions could cause panic, so they remove the restriction. The, so they lessened the chance of panic. But over the long term, they increase the debt toll substantially. I just think this But that was... wasn't the objective. <clears throat> of all of the things that you might have decided to do or not to do, to, to look at the group where you are most likely to have people with hypertension, cardiac disease, with respiratory problems, people living in close contact with each other, and people over... Obviously, ages seem to be a massive factor in the mortality rate. And you say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to roll back on that, and we're going to say, yeah, go in and visit. I think that I am baffled by that. I'm trying not to be angry about that because I think also one of the reasons it may have been a panic issue. They also came, were coming under a hell of a lot of political pressure from it. People are reading. I'm not just people ringing up Liveline, but people getting, I know this going to TD's office saying, oh, it's terrible, that we, we can't go and see Mammy. We can't. When effectively these people were saying that they were wanting to create a situation where they could go in. And I, I, Anyway, I don't want to finish that sentence. Sorry, go on, Gary. Just on the um, on the um, WHO and the HSE, here's a, just a question for you. Do you think, there's a couple of options here. First is that they're right and we're wrong. And they are medical experts. Yes. And we're not. Yes. So that is actually quite likely. Yes. I don't actually think so in this case, but on the standard balance of probability, mm-hmm. randomer on a podcast versus a medical expert, yes. I would generally tell people to go with the medical expert. Absolutely. So that's one option, that they're right and um, we're wrong. And I certainly listen... Right. Well, no, I would say I'd listen to Michael J. Ryan more quickly than I would listen to the Director General. Mm. Anyway, go on. But if they are wrong, are they wrong... Because they don't know about the research that's come out this month, or are they wrong and they know they're wrong? <sighs> Which is to say, are they mistaken or are they lying? Are they mistaken or are they malicious? Well, not malicious. I would say that their concern is that there aren't enough masks. There's not enough PPE in the country. There's nowhere near enough. We know this. But that's and they an don't want a situation yeah, 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 in yeah. which the burn rate for that increases. I mean, if every hospital in Ireland started using multiple and every staff member started using three masks a day on top of what they're using already we'd burn through everything so i think the incentive there is just keep the supplies at a certain level i don't think it's malicious i think it is well then then you 
you're asking me, then that demands, that begs another question, doesn't it? Which is, what are the outcomes? I mean, have they have they modelled, is there a way to model the outcomes, the differential outcomes between underusing masks or using the masks, but using them more quickly in such a way that we will end up not having as not having the mask. You could do it. You'd have to make a number of assumptions as to um, as to impact over time. But yeah, you could do it. Has ha, are O'Neills making masks? O'Neills are are making masks. As are um, we're actually seeing a lot of that across Europe, and uh, it makes good capitalistic sense, Michael. It does. But again, I can't help but wonder. I hope that's. Listen, if they would, somebody would have have mentioned early on. If we're going to need lots of protective gear, we we just don't have that much. And and then they would have run around and said, lads, can we get? Can we? Yeah, yeah, it's Ireland here. Can we get in fifty million masks? All oh, right, you don't have any. When when could you get the? Yeah, we'll listen. We'll pay for the expedited delivery and everything, but you won't have it. Okay, but then did somebody not think? Well, is there anywhere in Ireland? That makes stuff with fabrics that could possibly re- could repurpose it. I, I I would have hoped that somebody would have been thinking. And this this is not the first time this has happened in human history, Gary. That people have had to sort of say, well, we'll change that around. You know, people have gone from making railroads to making bombs, and from making cars to making tanks many times in the twentieth century. Mm. But the, I don't. I get the feeling here that we're waiting for the individuals themselves to come, the individual factories, the individual owners, rather than the government going out and saying, any chance you could do this, X, Y, or Z. But more importantly, Michael, is it a mistake or is it a lie? <sighs> I don't know. I always like to believe in incompetence before anything else. Where if I have the choice between ascribing incompetence, malice, or whatever, or, or bad faith. And I suppose that this is the interesting thing about this. This is not purely a medical issue, because... The question of whether masks work or not is a medical issue. The question of what the public should be told is a political and communication issue. Yeah. So I would suspect that if there is an issue, the HSC is perfectly aware of all the research on masks and the varying efficiency of different types of masks, and the issue is at the communication side, not that they are unaware. Because if there has been, it would appear, a political failure... We know that European government, governments all over the world, but certainly governments in Europe, have been, inverted commas, preparing for a viral pandemic for a long time. That this was something that this is, they had war-gamed, you know? And therefore, there were certain things that they would be assumed that you would have a, a stock of. And we thought the basics, one of the basic things you'd have a stock of is protective equipment, for basic protective gear for your 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 doctors because one of the principles in situations like this always is to try and maintain the structure of your medical staff that you don't one thing you don't want to happen because and it can happen and happen to others is to find yourself decimated your, your medical your medical frontline being decimated because of uh, also listen you're right we as talking heads on podcasts and medical experts it and yet having said that obviously as a sort of I mean, it also doesn't help that... Uh... The fact is that, that to say that they don't work in some sort of absolute sense doesn't is not to say that they don't have some prof- effect, some value as a prophylaxis, you know, that they can... And that's all that people are looking for. I mean, they're not looking for... And they, I, I, I'm deeply sceptical of the idea that you put people in a mask and they'll stop, they'll stop washing their hands in this context, you know. Mm. I, I, that just, just seems to me to be incredibly unlikely. I think it's just one more little thing they can cling to that gives people a sense of security. But a, a sense of security not to become blasé, but to be able to continue and do what you're doing at a basic level rather than just sort of curling up in a fetal position in the corner and saying, go away and tell me when it's all over. And I suppose speaking of, uh, of lies and deception uh, in relation to communications to the public, just before we, we close... People are uh, people are accusing Finnegan of running a bot network, Michael, on social media. A bot network, Finnegan. A bot network. But yeah, so people are saying that Finnegan is running a uh, bot network under ministers' comments and uh, various people's comments on uh, on Twitter. You go beneath any pronouncement by Finnegan or Leo, 
And I mean, if you'd done that a year ago, it was just full of people just going at them. Saying the sorts of things about people that people only say on the internet because you're anonymous. Mm-hmm. And now it's just people kind of going, you're doing a great job. Good on you. And there have been like, fairly prominent reporters saying that this is a bot network. Because these people have no photos on Twitter and their names have like strings of letters after them. But uh, I, I, I had a look through most of these accounts, or at least enough that I could find them. And they don't look like, um, they don't look like bots. Also, I, if you take someone's login on Twitter... Well, how can you tell the difference between a bot and a young Finnegator? Do you say Finnegator or young Finnegator? Young Finnegator. It's very difficult, Michael. <laughs> I don't know if I could do um, it. What you can do on these, you can go to um, an account and you can say that you've forgotten your password and it will show you either part of the phone number that it's attached to or part of the email it's attached to. So I did that on a couple of these. Oh, you because if it is man. Uh, because Sneaky. if it's a bot network, they'll probably be registered to the same uh, phone number, at least. Mm-hmm. And they weren't. None of these were. Um, so what I think is happening is just there are now, what, 500,000 unemployed people in the country? Right. And there are a great deal of people who have to spend all their time at home. Mm-hmm. And Twitter is um, Twitter is where you go for up-to-the-minute news, albeit in a very abnormal form. So I think it is literally just new people turning up on Twitter en masse. And the public are now much more supportive of Fine Gael than they were before this started. Yeah, rally around I mean, the flag you could, you could do pretty much anything, as long as you said it was to fight COVID-19. And people would love it, as long as you said it with confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a feeling that the more grievously it breached things like rights to free association and movement, the more people would like it. Because you, you're getting tough on the virus. And if you don't get tough on the virus... The virus wins. It wins, Gary. It wins. Do you remember the episode where Bob explains American politics in The Simpsons? It's something. Oh, you all, you all, you all want the soft, lovey, dovey liberal policies, but deep in your hearts, you what is it? You hanker after a Republican who will brutalize prisoners, slash taxes, and rule over you like a king. And I think there is a. There is, a, there is a degree. Not that I think that that's a fair characterization. Of course, no, but there's also of the Republican also Party. But I think, you know what? Look at Singapore. Singapore mm. is people are very happy. And I think places like Singapore, if you can guarantee that the streets are clean, that they're safe, that they personally, as long as they behave themselves and don't do terrible things, like use chewing gum or smoke, that they will be fine. They'll be left alone. And they will be rich and they will be prosperous and their schools will be good and their health care will be excellent. You know, people are willing to sacrifice or exchange a hell of a lot of liberty and freedom, as we have understood it in the West, Hmm. in exchange for stability, peace, and a nice menu at at the local Chinese. I mean, that is why Singapore is the world's foremost fascist state. Indeed. And we're not saying that in a bad way. No, that's not an insult, but Singapore is legitimately, its, its political construction is fascist. Yeah, and... Which people don't like to talk about because Singapore works as an entity. And bizarrely always comes quite high in the Freedom Index. Oh yeah, it's just... Well, I mean, he's dead now. Lee Kuan Yew was the great man. (laughs) There was the the word of law. There was also the word of Lee. Yeah. He also managed, to be fair, he managed the ethnic differences, which were very explosive around the Malay Peninsula. They they got handled, handled peaceably. Mm. Those tensions between the ethnic... Malays and the Chinese and all the others. Yeah, I think... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I've mentioned it before. I probably have. The what you, You're talking about... Uh, it's a story that always reminds me. The, the, uh, on Twitter and on Facebook, when people have questioned some of the, the legality of what's, some of the stuff that's been going on, the reaction, I think, has been really curious. There was once... There was a story came out. I don't know if you remember this, Gary, a few days ago. Uh, where some of the new legislation regarding the compensation of workers who had been laid off due to the crisis directly, there were lawyers saying, you know, we have to be, this legislation is problematic because one of the consequences, we could see people, employers, and who could be very, very you know, close to the edge of bankruptcy after this whole thing, being pursued by the state because of the way that the, the word, because of the way the, the legislation was, as an unintended consequence, they could be found themselves being pursued by the state for money that they hadn't expected or nobody had originally intended they should pay. 
so there was the reaction was incredible it was bloody lawyers oh always looking for oh looking for the the trying to the loopholes and always just cribbing and others were saying typical lawyers they're just trying to create business for themselves to line their pockets they were doing what lawyers do and a very important and very very an essential role in a democracy just they're looking at legislation finding parts of the legislation defective in its framing regarding its intent and saying lads you, you want to change that and they were hopping off him and it reminded me again in the context of Finnegale and this attitude of the general public of a conversation before the the 2009 was it the 2009 general election 2010 the great change election or the Finnegale Fine dude was on the radio demanding something and the Fianna Fáil minister said no you know perfectly well there are serious constitu there are constitutional issues, problems with that to which the Finnegale responded ah that's typically Fianna Fáil hiding behind your constitutional niceties niceties <laughs> yes and I think that right now you're there's a there's a there's a voice there's a substantial I think you're absolutely right Karen there's a substantial number of people out there who would not be bothered with your old constitutional niceties I have predicted that if things get really bad and uh, certain activities persist we will see people going around in SUVs with high powered rifles hunting teenage boys who were seen standing around in groups coughing and that will be enough. It'll be the new, it'll be the... Hmm. I wonder how much you'd get for the meat per pound. Oh, God, I can't imagine it would be pleasant. Probably wouldn't be that bad. Yeah, sell it to China, to the mar the meat markets. There's a question, and would you... The meat markets, I... The meat markets were meant to have been made illegal. Yeah. And now, now they seem to be like, well, time to reopen all the markets. And just like, China, no. No, no, really. No. And do you see the... How many diseases do they need to produce before you go, maybe we should just stop ex eating exotic animals? Or at least grow them domestically. It's like, have you ever seen the movie Black Dynamite? No. It's a satire of um, comedy based on, on black exploitation films. Right. And there's a scene where the hero says that from this day forward, no one who sells drugs to the community will know any peace. And a pimp in the corner just goes, Black Dynamite? I sell drugs to the community. <laughs> and there is that sort of thing with China. No one should eat exotic animals. And China turns around and goes, but world community, I love the taste of exotic animals. <laughs> like, yes, but you can't do that anymore, China. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, yeah, there was a We can do what we want. We're going to be like the Japanese with whale hunting. Yeah. Like, we don't even need it. We just do it to piss you just, off. But no, no, to be fair, the Japanese do it for scientific research. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Delicious research, I'm sure. Delicious. Delicious scientific. Like, how tasty Just can a bat be? I mean, fair. I mean, how... I mean, there could be a nice textural element to it. Crunchy? Like, crunchy, soft, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I can't... There, but, like, there still seemed to be a disagreement if it was a bat or a... Uh, are they pendulins? Pangolin. Or pangolins. A pangolin. Which just look cute. It's, a, it's kind of like a, 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 a more attractive version of an armadillo. Yeah. You know, a more attractive version of an armadillo who may have destroyed the world's economy for three months. <laughs> Which armadillos almost never do, to be fair to armadillos. Armadillos are, have yet to do that. Yeah, then It's just pangolins and tulips. And the tulips, yeah. Yeah, those bloody tulips. Uh, and, that was, and the tulips, to be fair, were not the fault of the Chinese. That was entirely the Dutch. Well, the Turks had something to do with it yeah. as well. Turks are There's very fond of a tulips. A strong historical uh, lesson to not base your entire economy on tulips. Anyway, I do. That's another question. I think we'll come back to that maybe on Saturday, which is our Sunday rather. When we is a discussion of the consequences and the, in global politics and global other things of what's going to come out of this uh, will be something we need to consider. And yeah, because there are there's some really interesting essays and articles being published by both really progressive thinkers and people who are on the right and are very much not conservatives about realignments of world orders. Yeah. But just on the on the, the bot thing, uh, just before we close oh, up. Oh, yeah, the bots. Ago. So I, I don't think these are bots. I think these are people. But I do like the fact that a lot That's of reporters, sweet. their first response to uh, 
anything unusual was just be like, it's the Russians or it's <laughs> Finnegale. Someone is paying for this. But it, it reminded me of a concept. There's a concept called um, Eternal September. Yeah. And it's from when what used to be the, uh, the Usenet. So it was basically an early internet. Would that be the... Yeah. The yeah. best way to do yeah. it. And it was pretty much only in colleges. So every September, you'd get a new influx of students. And September would just be a nightmare because mm-hmm. no one knew how to use it. They didn't know how the community did things. They don't. They didn't know how to talk to people. But they were all forums and things. So it would just be a nightmare. And then in 1993, the eternal September began when the general public were allowed to use the internet. Because, <laughs> well, not allowed, but AOL started giving... Usenet access yeah. to a lot of its people, yeah, yeah, and uh, it it just totally destroyed the existing culture that had been on Usenet, yeah, and uh, yeah, September never ended from nineteen ninety three, it's the uh, because it was just new people constantly, As and that, that's that's just a concept that stuck to mind. It's a really useful concept in relation to immigration and cultural studies as well, mm. but no one likes to do it. But no, it just came to mind. It's just people doing different things and not knowing that. If you register your name as Joe and then a string of seven letters, they're going to think you're a bot. <laughs> the turn of September, I think that's the turn of September of the of of the sunshine mind. Anyway, mm-hmm. yes, um, will, and I think it's very kind of you and very nice of you to say that uh, Finnegale supporters online are not robots, even though no, no, I, I, I. I don't think they're robots. I think they're just general members of the public. Just who don't use Twitter. Just as uh, because I, yeah, I can. Help making a cheap political point, and if it's possible to make one on 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 the way out of the party, the same part, same reporters that are talking about these Finnegale bots, do they write regularly about Sinn Fein bots? Some do, uh, some don't. I'm not going to make any comment about Irish reporters no. on a personal level. You could, I could say that, but you couldn't possibly comment. Yeah, absolutely, Michael. <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment. Well, folks, Particularly as I was informed there the other day that I'm now a journalist. Oh my God! I, I know. I hope you struck him with your glove and demanded satisfaction. I know. I, 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 I think I'd reported something about China that no one in Ireland or Europe had reported. And he's like, "Well, you're a journalist now, oh Harry." No, 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 that's. And I have to say, well, I've, uh, I'm a journalist and the head of an NGO. I've become everything I ever hated. <laughs> and on that, on that note, I think we'll. Say to our dear listener, well, mind yourself, stay well, bake some bread, and you know what, make a cake. Don't just stick to bread. Have a scone as well. Treat yourself. You have to have something nice to look forward to in these dark days. We will be back at the weekend with our Sunday miscellany. Basically, to inform you what the rest of the world is going to do and how the future is going to look. So if you want to know what the future is going to be, join us. China will probably have done something new and horrific by then. (laughs) Let's hope. Bye-bye. Let's hope.